Welcome to the Meltdown Podcast. This is episode 67. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, again, a bit of YouTube talk. Tom finally did another shorts video um, on a, well, different topic. Uh, we're going to talk about the sweetest 3D printer that is now available for pre-order, the uh, chocolate printer Coca Press, uh, which I really want to try out. Uh, and then a, well, quick talk about uh, Tom's recent video, is FreeCAD good enough? Um, is is it a an option if you are looking for a CAD program? And uh, what are actually the problems in such a big open source project if um, maybe also the direction is a bit missing? Um, then another talk about open source software, Home Assistant. Home Assistant got an integration for Prusa Connect, which is like a small basically ESP dongle that you can put into into your um, Prusa Mini and make it uh, in internet connected or Wi-Fi connected for some monitoring and uh, sending G-code to it. The great internet of things, yeah. Uh, sticking with Prusa topics, of course we have to cover those. Um, the Prusa XL is shipping and they now make tungsten filament under the Prusa Mint brand, which is... I mean, I don't have an application for it, but it's it's a very interesting material. Then uh, the other end of the spectrum, AliExpress. AliExpress has really come a long way, and it's it's actually really good now. And we talk about why that is. And um, by the way, AliExpress links in the description. We're going to put one there. It's 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 really fun to use and and much more convenient than it used to be, thanks to some regulation that the EU put out, uh, which is rarely the case. But lastly. Cura versus Prusa Slicer Organic supports why is one better than the other? And actually, yeah, no, no. Cura is actually just as good as the Prusa Slicer one if you use the right version. Let's try to keep this one a bit shorter than, than usual. Look, as always, it's it's really beautiful weather outside today. Um, I've just finished the, the last video on FreeKid. We're going to chat about that in the, in a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm keen to get outside. I'm keen to get out in, in the backyard. I've got 300 euros worth of irrigation accessories waiting for me to be uh, put in the ground uh, plus it's freaking cold down here so we turned off the, the the central gas heating last week and now all that's heating is like spare energy that's doing warm water from the solar plus i've got the little the little infrared heater heating up my feet right now so this this room is icy cold so yeah yeah well with 30 kilowatt peak on your roof almost 30 29 point something yeah Okay, just below the legal limit. Well, um, not not the legal limit, but the limit that um, our grid operator was like, well, that's how much you get and everything past that, uh-uh. Okay. But yeah, it's it's enough it's enough energy to, to charge the cars, to heat up warm water. There's a little electric heater that just uses the, the spare energy, and that is actually cheaper than using gas um, and, of course, more, more eco-friendly. Um, but, of course, it means when you turn off the, the central heater, then... The, the rooms that have like mm -hmm. warm water radiators don't yeah. get any heat. Plus, we have uh, little mini split units uh, in the living room downstairs and upstairs, so those keep those warm. So, central heating can go off, and everything else is solar. Maybe just a quick question. I I saw on Twitter that you started a new um, um, photovoltaic battery project again. Yes, that's uh, mostly for a buddy. Um, 
And the thing is, he has a he's using a, a Victron uh, charge controller, charge disk. It's a bi-directional inverter, basically. Okay. Um, using that, he's using that uh, because if you don't have the the legal equipment to feed into the grid, uh, you're not allowed to, you know, have anything that generates power and feeds it or, or couples it to the grid, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he's got that set up. Um, I'm building a battery for for him that is about like 13 kilowatt hours and I think it's like 1600 years worth of cells um, which is a fantastic I mean it's B grade cells uh, but for like storage stuff we're putting we're putting good balances good BMSs on there like it's 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 become super affordable um, plus you, you can actually get those systems those battery systems ready built now uh, for not much more than the components cost um lithium iron phosphate batteries so they're safe they're cheap they don't use any cobalt it's been getting good like people have been saying like ah yeah these batteries are so expensive no no they're not anymore (laughs) a quick story right here four months ago i asked one of like the local solar suppliers around here for a um for a battery for our like um, photovoltaic system um we contracted a five kilowatt hour um lithium iron phosphate yep. lithium iron phosphate yep. battery eight thousand bucks i think yeah, yeah. Of, of course of course like if you're saying okay 1600 bucks for the cells you add about 200 bucks yep. for bms and balancers plus you need a case um you need the inverter that's a thousand bucks you need accessories for that so it, it comes out to like three grand roughly um for well, pl- plus all of the all of the work you put in there yes yes with a yeah. diy system and if you want to make it safe you can make it safe like that's if if you if you approach things sensibly you can make it you can build the stuff in a way that's not going to blow up yeah. um but yeah time spent etc the thing is i i spent i think 10 grand for my 9.8 kilowatt nominal uh, storage system about five years ago so just looking at how those prices have come down is is really impressive yeah the problem is so like four weeks uh, four weeks four months ago we we contracted them we still didn't hear back or i i just had a phone call with them yesterday yeah the parts are in back order we don't have enough mm-hmm. guys and supply is a problem at the moment and and also the guys just installing that yeah, stuff labor. so i was actually hoping to have the battery installed like before easter because i told them that i don't need it in winter because i anyways don't have have any leftover energy yeah. but now when like spring is starting it really pains me to, to just see that i'm feeding all of my nice energy into the grid um and need to buy it back at night so. yeah maybe maybe w- one thing that is, is probably going to get commented to us um like the fact that yeah i'm i'm using i'm using my good solar energy for like heating it's like the, the most wasteful way of using electricity i'm using an electric resistance heater for my warm water mm. um what what i'm mostly trying to do as you know, as an influencer, I'm trying to show that these solutions are there, that it's possible to basically from, from March to November, we don't buy any power from the grid, um, that it's possible to 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 power uh, your life with renewables. Um, my EVs, like, yeah, it's totally, uh, we, we, we just talked about, uh, you know, taking a, a trip to Prague. Uh, mm-hmm. 
totally viable like with a with a 50 kilowatt hour battery even even less uh, net capacity totally viable not not an yeah. issue at all to take trips um but i know that like in the grand scheme of things me saving emissions just means that like the overall emissions budget somebody else is going to make uh, going <laughs> going to use those emissions or cause those emissions yeah. in in return so it's i i know my actions don't make a difference overall but what i'm trying to do is to show that it's possible and to create acceptance for those solutions like the, the typical oh evs don't have any range you can't you can't actually go anywhere they're always empty you, no no that's not how it works i'm i'm trying to show that these are viable solutions and hopefully create acceptance for the change politically that's needed and regulatorily um that's needed in the end so yeah that's that's the goal and that's that's why i don't have a a, a bad conscience using electricity that's that's coming from the roof to heat my water even though there would be more efficient ways to and and overall it would be better to feed it into the grid because then so, sure yes yeah. i get it but in the grand scheme of things and since you just makes... said that you that you can't really actively fight climate change because your your carbon budget is then used by somebody else is that the reason why you're now installing water irrigation systems into your garden um <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what, what, no okay so we we have um we have groundwater here we have a pump in, in the ground uh we've got raised beds and um we're just growing vegetables and having a controlled irrigation system with like i'm using the, the little i'm basically the commercial standard uh, irrigation systems you've got like little micro drippers using yeah. you need some water to grow vegetables and to grow we've got fruit trees and stuff in the backyard they need some water in these summers when everything gets gets hotter and drier they will need some extra irrigation and having a control system in there is the most efficient way to use the water that we have so that's the plus plus it's of course it's it's something new to research and something new to build and i get to to shovel dirt with my hands and that's always fun install a plant bot or how's that thing called yeah the farm bot i think the farm or, bot. Or whatever it's yeah i've i've so the thing is our raised beds um i built those last year they're four meters 20 by one meter 20 wide and there's two of them in a row so the one meter 20 wide would be the ideal length of or width of track for a farm bot to run along <laughs> would be would be so good yeah <laughs> last last quick question did you install uh, uh, an electric snail fence uh i did not yet you have to do that even even in raised beds that are or yeah like sna snails don't care snails don't care oh. and even if you're if you're installing like copper traces around just that i don't know they they burn their feet when they touch it it just takes a couple of days then everything gets oxidized and and they don't care anymore we installed an electric snail fence and this is not like mains voltage <laughs> so that they explode but they <laughs> but they just get a tiny bit tickled so you have like yeah. two bands of uh of like just copper duct tape around your race bats uh, with a uh, bit of voltage in between them and some special system that when it shorts, blah, blah, blah. And when they touch both chases, they get tickled. And it's really interesting to to, to see how fast yeah. they just turn around and, and run away. And it did a tremendous job on, on our race bats. Hmm. We're going to have to see how, how bad that gets because we yeah. do have plenty of snails in the backyard. Um yeah. 
we do also have hedgehogs so maybe that's gonna keep itself in balance yeah so not, we, we thought we, we maybe our hedgehogs but like, yeah yeah wild ones <laughs> We thought maybe our chicken would help, but I don't know. They don't really care about snails. Yeah. <laughs> too too small. So, yeah, too cool. small. Speaking of small. Oh, yeah. I'm doing small yeah. videos now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last time we... I think... Was it last time or just or two podcasts ago where, where I said I really enjoyed doing a couple of shorts over Christmas? Well, anyways. Um, I've yeah. not warmed up to the format yet. It's... And, and Me, to, the, to the experience of watching them. <sighs> I I don't know, unfortunately watch them more and more um, because also like YouTube, at least the mobile app is presenting them to you in, in such like a prominent way. Um, some of them are good and educational, but True. it also quickly happens that you just like... <sighs> You, you just notice that it's 10 minutes later yeah. and you you only watch crap. So um, it's what, what, what I dislike about the entire experience of, of shorts and, and TikToks is like the lack of control and the lack of, uh, what's the word, authority? Um, there used to, or used to, that there was a, a, a paper or a, was it a paper? I think it was a paper um, done on like the TikTok experience and what it does for your brain to be watching TikToks. <laughs> And in the end, they, they compared it to, to gambling, to slot machines, yeah. um, where it's like, it's that, that repetitive action of like, I hit like, I swipe to the next video. I like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's the one arm <laughs> bandit, basically. And yeah, it triggers, yeah. they, 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 it triggers the same areas of a, of a brain that does yeah. slot machines. And I understand how that is, uh, because you, you can, you can completely turn into a zombie and, and just let yourself get I know regular videos do that too, but it's it's that little bit of, of interaction. It's that little bit of, mm. I'm going to get the next video. Oh, yeah, maybe this one's going to be good. Yeah, just one more, just one more. <laughs> uh, it's, it's even more <sighs> gamified and, and, and hyper-optimized to keep you engaged. So... I don't know. It's it's what YouTube wants, so I'm doing it. And there is some there is some genuine content that is like not enough for a full video. Um, so I'm trying that a bit. I'm I'm doing some some extra stuff, I guess. The one I published today was just outtakes from from today's video, um, just for funsies, just to get a feel for for the thing. Uh, the thing that I enjoyed was yeah. that making them is also satisfying in a way that you can finish one within like an hour and be done with it yeah it's a less i i think it's the same phenomenon that that you see with with lots of of big youtubers where they have their main channel and they're like they they raise their own expectations for their content so high um that they create a, a second channel <laughs> and then the main channel goes dry and the, the content that used to be on the on the yeah. first channel when they when they were small and started up now is basically on the second channel. Um, I don't know, William Osman, uh, Stir, uh, plenty of others that, that do, that, that, that mainly just have their stuff on the second channel because they, yeah. yeah. And I'm feeling that for, for myself too. I'm, 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 I'm pushing my expectations for, for videos on the main channel with every one I, I release. And, and that's, that's the thing where, where a different format 
might make the experience for you as a creator more satisfying because you don't have to add this much effort in post-production. And I, I, I feel that for me, at least, just creating a video, uh, most of the work now is just making sure that the video is good in the end, writing a script, doing voiceover, editing and things like that. That's taking so much time and it's not as satisfying anymore as it used to be. The Yeah, it's the video production side that's, yeah. that's taking a lot longer than the actual, I'm doing an experiment or I'm, I'm researching yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I keep pointing this out. My, my mom works for me uh, part-time. So she's been editing the shorts and we've got a couple more coming up. So I've not touched the editing process for those. Um, oh, just like, they do they do look good so like the one that I saw just like half an hour ago yeah it's good. Re really really quickly done um, great job I, I of course I do look over the, the final result um, but so far Resolve man Resolve is, is like so so easy so good to use yeah um, I, I put her on the official Resolve tutorials and, and a day later she was <laughs> editing my, my A-roll so <laughs> Yeah, uh, fantastic. We, we'll see. Maybe just maybe just a uh, a short one right here on on delegating work. Um, I'm probably gonna have my like my first intern for a couple of days in in two weeks. Intern. So that's like a temp a temporary position of uh, what's what, what's the internship level or what what what? I'm missing the word. High school uh university what's the um so um jan wegner he also has like a german channel yep. called jantag yeah um i've i have been knowing him i i think he first approached me 2019 at Formnex and said ah yeah we skipped the day of school to to, to come here and say hello <laughs> basically and uh i don't know we we had been in touch over the last years and uh he just finished his his a levels his abitur and um, I don't know. I, I thought for me it might be a good experience just to see how working together with somebody else's. And for him, it's, I think, nice to see how a production process works. And he's going to do uh, like a, um, a material comparison between like a standard material and a carbon fiber filled material. Yeah. Um, and to just get a bit of input. How do you, how do you research? How do you set up the samples how do you test them and things like that yeah. so he, he does a bit of stuff now at home and he's going to be here for like a good half week and we're going to do tests here and i also maybe i'm able to to teach him some resolve and i don't know maybe it, it, if there's still a bit of time before he goes to uh to university <laughs> i yeah. can delegate even more work ah but i, I think that's a nice like closed off in itself uh yeah. a format where you know okay we're gonna work together for a couple of weeks and yeah. we can make a schedule and a, a plan for okay we're gonna do these things and yeah. once we've got those yeah. we're done yeah that's but that's that's cool that we're now at the at the level where we can have people work for us where, where we're like real companies real companies uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway <sighs> we, we were going to do this one shorter. Now we've got ta ta talking about real companies. Yes, Cocoa Press. So Cocoa Press is a chocolate and an actual chocolate printer. I've, I've reviewed the uh, Microsini uh, 
Ch choco printer, which is was not chocolate. Um, but Coco Press is a, is a real chocolate printer. It kind of looks like a Voron, Mini Prusa, Prusa, XL. Prusa XL, something like that, yeah. Uh, Prince Real Chocolate, years of research put into it. Um, you know, working with suppliers, working out the kinks with the extruder, working with um, chocolate recipes. And you can now just pre-order it. It's going to be delivered this year. Sometime there was a specific date. Get the tweet open. I need to check that as well. Okay. But um, da, 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 we'll start. Yeah. Reservations will start the 17th of April. A hundred bucks series server kits. And then it's uh, 1500 bucks total for the machine. And what's fascinating to me here is that this is not a Kickstarter. That this is just like years of development. And then it's like, yeah, you can, you can just order this. Uh, I'm not going to take your funds up front. I'm just going to produce this. Of course, that is a privileged position to be in, yeah. uh, to be able to like order all your stock and order all your stuff and then just make a product available. But yeah. it it puts perspective on, on why like massive companies, especially in the 3D printing space, that have years of, of selling products and have cash in the bank need a Kickstarter. And then... Haley Rose is just like, yeah, no, no, I'm not gonna do one. It's really cool. So if you're if you're looking into like new ways of, of 3D printing, um and oh, look, the prints look really good. It, they do it, look really good. It's it's it liter literally looks as good as a PLA print. Like that the recipe and the process is, is so yeah. tuned in. Um but yeah, if you're looking at something like that, whether you want to print like the, the classic cake toppers or just something to experiment uh maybe maybe check that out this is not sponsored this is just something that i think is cool and i've briefly met elliot uh, at earth last year not this year it's just it's a good project yeah i also really need to talk to her when i am in in denver i've seen her at the midwest rap festival last year but i don't know i was so busy and well since my channel is called CNC Kitchen, I I I, I need <laughs> yeah, to buy a so chocolate perfect. printer. Yeah, yeah, and I think this would be the first printer my wife really uh, approves. <laughs> and that's probably one you'd keep at home, right? Yeah, just next to our Tomo mix, have the chocolate printer there. Perfect. Yeah, so just a quick shout out there. Yeah. Um, Maybe also also a an interesting thing um, talking about Kickstarter. Uh, have have you seen the um, like DIY EDM machine? I've heard I've like tangentially. Yeah. About that. Yeah. So uh, there's a guy I don't remember his name anymore. Sorry, I don't want to be rude. Uh, I I'm just really bad with names. Um, I think he already sent me an email a year or two ago and said that yeah that they're working on that and whatever um he now finished or they i don't know if if, if it's a whole team uh they finished like the final version or the final first version of that thing and uh they started a kickstarter and the video blew up on YouTube that he did about... That's, that's what I saw, yeah. But it, yeah. I, I don't watch 3D printing content, so I've not <laughs> seen it. <laughs> it is EDM content. Um, the, the, True. Thing, the thing that I think is going to be really interesting here, uh, if they basically plan to produce 10, 15, 20 units, uh, that's something that you can... 
I don't know, kind of easily managed, but if a Kickstarter like that just blows up and in the end you have to, I don't know, deliver hundreds yeah. or even thousands of units, that's going to be a total, totally different story. And that might not only be beneficial for, for such a project, because if you're just struggling, buying all of the parts, uh, packaging everything, shipping everything, and everything that is involved in that... Uh, can really break you mentally and your bank because at at that point where it's hundreds of units um yeah. you can't build them yourself you, you yeah. there's just no way it, it, people often underestimate like the, the the scale of numbers if you build 15 machines that's like that's already a pretty involved process but if you have to build 150 yeah like now you you're not worried about hey how can i build this you're worried about how can i delegate building these how can i scale and you're you're spending your time not on on producing mm. the machines and on making them better but on managing the production but and if you started this as as a project for yourself and you haven't really planned for yeah. scaling up the production that that that's that's going to be difficult absolutely you might not be prepared for it. You might not have expected it, but you might also not be good at scaling. And that's yeah, that's exactly. the point where where a lot of kickstarters start to fall apart. Um, yeah. When you when you are an engineering team and you you've developed something cool and you just want to put it out into the world, actually then manufacturing it at scale, yeah. not something I would be comfortable with either. Like I I I keep bringing this up, but I I, I don't have a physical product. You do. You've mm. you've pulled that um, you've you've pulled that turn. But I also delegated that I wouldn't be able to do that myself. Yeah, exactly. And I even wouldn't want to do that myself. True. No. It's it's lots of, of busy work and, and yeah. lots of stuff that maybe we're not we're not qualified for. Yeah. And so, that I, I, yeah. that and that brings you, us to the next topic, which is oh, yes. oh god, nah, nah. I, I don't want to say. Look, okay, free cat, <laughs> free cat. Uh, there is, it's it's a similar story, and I feel bad for 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 for, for having the not qualified for moniker in here because I have nothing but appreciation for people who make open source tools, uh, even if they make something that isn't good or that I don't think is good. I still appreciate them for putting it out there and for for making it available and for for donating the time for putting something out there that wasn't there before. Um, so. That's that that's that's the essence later that we're going to come to, but yeah, FreeCAD. Um, have you used FreeCAD? Let's let's start at the bottom here. No, I have not. Okay, I've used FreeCAD occasionally. Um, every, every couple of years, I've, I've I've said that in the video too. Like I I keep coming back to it. And I'm like, yeah, this is FreeCAD. This should be this should be usable. And and every time I'm like, nah, this isn't usable. This isn't this isn't really good. Um, and I'm I'm kind of proud that I that I managed to present that finding in a way that isn't offensive and that I don't have another community coming after me for. Um, yeah, it's it's that the, the same the same sort of idea. It's a it's a group of developers programmers um, who are good at programming stuff. They might not be as good at uh, organizing, prioritizing, and sort of the, the leadership, the direction thing. Um, FreeCAD 
does a lot of things. It does a lot of, of different things, but none of them are, are at a level where it's like, yeah, this is actually going to replace another tool. Um, this will be the prime choice for something. And you've brought up Blender um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example there. Is it something you've, you've used? I've used it. I, I've used it in the past, okay. yeah. It's, it's a great tool. And Blender used to be the same way. Blender used to be quite a mess and it used to be uh, built in a way where you would need to know the ins and outs of the mm. tools. You, you Like this, literally not big enough for all the shortcuts you need to remember, all the hotkeys you need to remember for Blender. Um, and they 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 did turn around. They had some Blender. Blender, by the way, is a totally different scale. Totally different scale to FreeCAD. Um, it's a couple people working full time on the project. A couple people um, working on animation stuff. Uh, stuff at all the time. Actually using the software, giving feedback to the developers. But the Blender Foundation, I think it is. That's a place that puts direction on the or, or to the project. Added that that sense of hey this is the way that this program program is going to get developed and we're going to prioritize these things and deprioritize these other things so that this core experience is actually something that is worth using and that is like the number one choice for this job and blender legitimately is i think in every bit as capable as as some of the other professional rendering animation tools out there but is the reason why they got there because they got a ton of funding from really big companies? It was so. So Blender was at a point where it was like good enough if you knew the tool to productively use it. Um, mm -hmm. Where all the the issues that kept you from well, he, here's the thing that that lots of people bring up in in the comments to to that last video is. Um, they they can use FreeCAD, and I, I feel like I'm at the point now where I can also use FreeCAD, but you don't choose to use FreeCAD because it's it's clunky, it's not time efficient, and in something like SolidWorks, FreeCAD, Onshape, whatever CAD tool, you're just much, much faster. Your time is spent more efficiently in those tools. And Blender kind of managed to get past that. Once you knew the tool, you were really fast with it. You could do everything you, you needed to do. Um, and that showed potential. That showed that, yes, there is a good tool in here. We just need to like gr hone out, grind out that that core. And you can kind of see that with, with FreeCAD too. FreeCAD has a good tool at its core. It's just, it's, it's very unpolished. It's a very unpolished diamond. And there is a FreeCAD foundation too that has some funding. Um, that, um, for example, has rewarded the uh, the real Thunder branch um, a thousand bucks for implementing some fixes um, around the topological naming problem and mm -hmm. UI, and they they just they awarded that project some some cash. So mm -hmm. that for FreeCAD could be that that leadership that the project needs. Mm -hmm. It is currently from from what I'm seeing, it's currently developers um, that are working on the project that are also in that foundation. And I don't see that that direction, that that leadership in there yet, um, because after all, it is it is all volunteers, so you can't tell volunteers what to work on. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've put in there Mozilla as like a counterexample, or as like, as the example of hey, we have leadership in here now. We we are now a company. Um, Mozilla, I don't know. It's 
I've I've always seen that sort of critically when the Mozilla Corporation or Mozilla Inc or whatever it's um it's not yeah, we now have a business interest, but mm-hmm. I think it's 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 what the browser needed. I think it's what the tool needed um to have that backing and to have that sense of direction. So it's good for the tool, but it it, it detracts from the open source spirit. Yeah. So but in the end you basically needed to get it well especially something big like a cat software uh this is nothing that you're just like developing on an afternoon yeah um you need good and skilled software engineers and they are expensive and either they do it in their free time but then they do what they want to do uh and then you have exactly. the leadership problem or you have the funding where they can say okay i spent my time now on something that is necessary to get the whole project forward and I'm getting paid for that because in the end um, they also need to live from something and um, exactly this is well I don't know if you discussed it in your video if 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 you would see a community funding or something like that being feasible for such a project but I don't know. So they they've got. Oops, sorry, if that was loud. Um, they've got the the FreeCAD association. I think it's called the association. Um, they've got that set up in a way where it's the central entity for distributing funds. Essentially, uh, I think what would encourage people and companies to to spend their money on that project is actually having something like, hey, I'm going to donate. 10,000, 15,000, probably not enough to, to even pay someone for a month, but yeah. I'm going to donate X amount of money and it's going to go towards these features. It's going to mm-hmm. improve the software in these ways that I need, you know, with, with, with a company, not, not, not me as a person, but like yeah. me, a comp, uh, some company says, okay, I've got, I've, I've seen this tool. Um, it needs to change in these ways to be suitable for our workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to say, okay, here is 200,000 bucks uh make it y- make it usable for our mm-hmm. job and we're going to save licensing fees i mean that's that's like a, a year worth of uh, cad licenses for a team <laughs> yeah so, exactly that's that's what i wanted to say um t- even though 200,000 bucks sounds a lot but if you ever like tried to license katia um creo and I don't know Siemens and X. It's just peanuts. Yeah. When whenever a site has a get quote button instead of a yeah. price up there, it it tells me, hey, we're actually ashamed of our prices and of how much we charge, so we're not going to make it public. We're actually going to put it behind an email wall, and we're going to first feel you out whether yeah. you're actually a customer before we tell you how much we're actually charging yeah. you. <laughs> um. So, it what, yeah. What what I think that project needs is is that that transactional nature of mm. hey i'm going to invest in something and that's i i think that's what what blender also had um and mm. what what got blender the amount of funding um that it got is you spend money on something and then you get something in return mm. um yeah we'll see yes as i said i'm i don't know i i i was taught to use katia in university and ever since then i used like professional cat software and it would always be 
really hard for me or really inefficient for me to to use something different and if i do have access to i don't know fusion 360 on shape or whatever i will be using that because my time yeah. is is valuable in a way and so i try to use the most efficient tool but somebody else who might also be really into open source software and might not have the background for them it would be nice to use a tool that is really free free like it's the it's a chicken and egg problem sort of yeah. um when you don't have users you don't have mm. feedback you, you don't get the attention you need mm. i mean i've 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 done the same cycle too um on, on on other things i've spent three years of my life on linux uh exclusively just erasing windows from everything and just <laughs> running linux on it so i i've it, it's that same flashback where it's like yeah, once you know it, once you have that upfront investment, it can work. But even then, it's less efficient than just forking over the cash for a, uh, for a Fusion license or, or yeah. something else. Um, and especially in a, in a commercial context, it doesn't make sense to spend the time training your your engineers, your, um, your, your, your employees on a new tool that is then going to be less efficient versus just forking over the 500 bucks a, a year for a, for a Fusion license yeah. or 2,500 for on whatever. So it, that, that there needs to be, there needs to be again, a, a, a clear, this is worth doing. Um, and this is worth investing in mm. outlook for somebody yeah. to, to invest in the tool. So, I don't. I don't know how. How it's it's the same thing with um, with us with like having the first hire, um, making that jump from working by yourself to actually now having to to having somebody else work for you and having to to, to go into that management thing. I think it's that that's a really hard transition to make for an open source tool as well. To go from we're all volunteers, we're all contributing on your on on our own times, we're just having fun here, to well we now have funding and we pay people to, to do mm. the work and we don't get to choose what we work on. Mm. And a lot of projects never make it past that threshold. Um, yeah. Octoprint, which I also bring up in the video, did. Um, Octoprint is, is a project small enough in scale um, that one person plus community input and patches and, and um, pull requests, that's what I'm looking for, can make Octoprint work. Um, so it's it's difficult. Like I, I I acknowledge that this is not an easy task to do, and the, the ask of pushing FreeCAD into something that that can actually compete with the big boys that's a really tricky transition. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're gonna see where it leads. Um, I'd right. I'd, l I'd love I'd love the tool to be there. I I, yeah. I again I appreciate that they're already putting that out there, but I also appreciate that you, you, it's wishful thinking to say to say just yeah, let's just make it better. <laughs> Talking about other open source software, Home Assistant. Yes, quick one. Integrations. Yeah. I run Home Assistant. Um, I run it as well. Though I don't, I don't make much use of it. I'm using it as a graphing platform. I'm slowly moving over to Grafana for that. Gra Grafana, 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 Grafana for that. Um, but yeah, it's Home Assistant is basically it. It it reaches out into all the like IoT connected things in your home, and it's like, yep, yeah, you're in one central spot now. So 
Uh, I've got my, my Philips Hue in there. I've got my vacuum robot in there. I've got, uh, I guess my, my, my cameras and stuff are in there as well. Um, you can have your, your internet router show up with stats and stuff. I have a ton of like just humidity and, and temperature sensors all around the house and sensors on my window, uh, sensors on my window that I don't forget to close them at night and, and things like that. Data. It's, yeah, data, data, data. It's really nice. And um, there has already been the possibility to integrate Octoprint also into yeah. Home Assistant so that you get stats into Home Assistant, but you could also get just an, a notification on your phone once once a print is finished, uh, when a, once a print is finished. And now there's also a Home Assistant integration for Prusa Connect. Home Assistant. Don't, you don't see much, but yeah. <laughs> just to prove that I'm actually running it. <laughs> yeah. So Prusa Connect is, does it also work on a Mark III? Well, the, the Mark III doesn't have anything built in that could communicate. Um, there used to be the, the, the like... Raspberry Pi I W thingy in the back. The W? Zero? Zero W? Zero, zero. W. Zero W. Yeah. Um, that. Which was, which wasn't really powerful enough to properly run Octoprint. Well, but anyways, the, um, the, uh, Prusa Mini, um, you can just basically plug in a, a small ESP module and get it Wi Fi connected, Prusa Connect. I think it was announced like right away when, when the Mini came out, but it never really did a lot and it never really replaced Octoprint and things like that. But I think over the years they improved it quite a bit and it, now it's quite well working. I haven't tried it myself on, on my Mini that I have right here. Um, but basically you have a small web interface where you can at least monitor the printer, probably yep. even upload um, G-code files and things like that. And you can integrate them in, or you you can integrate your printer now into Home Assistant for notifications and stuff like that. Yeah, if you have stats. I mean, Home Assistant is also something that you could run on like a, just a big dashboard or a tablet. You you park in the corner of your of your room somewhere and you just have your your house stats, and that would work for that too. Um, for the mini, you, you actually need the you need an extra little ESP module that you plug yeah. in. So it's just an ESP eighty two sixty six that you plug in, right? Center thing, okay. Um, those things cost like two bucks, so yeah. I'm kind of curious why that wasn't included in the in the mini. Though I guess yeah, cost saving. You need to penny pinch. Um, and the thing is that it would have needed to work right away once you delivered it. Uh, well, I I don't know, I don't know. Um, if, for example, the the CW one, Prusa's resin printer, um, has <laughs> Wi-Fi built in. It, it yeah. has always had Wi-Fi built in. Yeah. But the only thing it did was to show basically a status, yeah. a super limited status information when it when it first launched. And but that's I, a fifteen hundred bucks printer compared to one that had to be cheap. Yes, but it's yeah. a fifteen hundred. Is it only? I thought it was more expensive. Um, but it's it's a it's an it's a way more expensive printer that has features that don't work out of the box. Yeah. So I guess it, it it would have been more acceptable on the mini, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's some and and of course, so Prusa Connect doesn't just integrate with Home Assistant; it also integrates with uh, Prusa Slicer. Obviously, you can just straight up send your files from the from the slicer to the printer. 
And that's actually been that's been super convenient. Uh, not with Prusa Connect, but it also supports Octoprint and uh, Do It. I've got my my Warren on the on the table here. I've been using that recently a bit more, and that's just a, a super convenient feature. Having your printer connected and just from the straight from the slice of being able to say, "Hey, send this to yep. the printer, start printing," fantastic. Yep. I'm enjoying that as well. Maybe uh, talking about Prusa, the Prusa XL started shipping. At least some units started shipping. <laughs> so I also pre-ordered my Prusa XL on the first day when they announced it. And I thought, I well, I tried to make sure that I'm really <laughs> early. Uh, and uh, yeah, th they already sent out emails to like the first pre-orders to the first people that did pre-orders um i think they said only to the guys that ordered in the first couple of minutes um <laughs> because they don't have that many units uh, at the moment but yeah they they started shipping and it's also interesting to see i think finally the the embargo or the nda dropped and uh, at least on on twitter people people showing images and uh, images of their Prusa XL beta units that they have been testing and in order to make sure that the units that are shipping now are um yeah working quite well yeah so um i don't know i've not been act that active on on twitter um which has been really good for me but uh <laughs> uh so I've, I've, i might have missed that so yeah, but that's good. Um, I've not seen a, a ton of people showing off their final Excels yet. Um, the the blog only says we're ready for shipping. I think and they just started shipping, yeah. so probably even they they might only have received them like right now this week or at the end of last week. Yeah. Right. Um, but in, in in general, that might be a, a discussion topic for a future episode, like where. Where does Prusa need to position themselves? Um, are they still capable of being like the the innovator and and, and feature leader uh, as they were with the Mark III, or mm. are they now at a point where they they're so late um, mm. with the XL? The XL is over a year late. Yeah, something yeah, um, where they're really now just playing catch up. So that but that's that's when the time comes that that can be a, a discussion topic for for another one yeah what they also announced is uh, tungsten filament <laughs> i which seems first, random <laughs> which seems random and and first i checked my calendar and thought maybe it's like the first of april yeah not, it's, not it's just quite. an april fool's joke not quite yeah but they have tungsten filament which is 70 percent by weight tungsten I mean that's not it, hard to do. That's like a spoonful per roll uh, of tungsten yeah, because tungsten is like one of the heaviest metals. Uh, you I think it's be. almost as heavy as gold. Also, one of the reasons why some fake gold bars <laughs> have tungsten on the inside because then you don't directly realize that you're getting scammed. Yeah, it's it's close enough that even even weighing them uh, and and using the volume doesn't. Yeah. It's not that suspicious. Well, anyways, uh, it it wasn't an April Fool's joke. The use for tungsten filament is not due to strength reasons or just visual reasons it is for shielding against radiation and who would need that 
I, I, I feel I feel like certain places in the Ukraine might need some tungsten shielding if things keep going the way they're going. Uh, so they have uh, they released a blog bo uh, blog post blog post, <laughs> um, and they were talking about um, shielding for syringes for. Um, not right. radiotherapy uh, with technetium technetium 99m which is a contrast fluid for uh, MRI yeah one, one, one of the scanners one of the scanners um, which is well of course um, um, emitting radioactive radiation radiation that's what i was looking for and they're able to to print um shields for that uh, since i'm not that deep into that field i of course don't ha have that insight but there seem to be applications for something like that and i ha tom, haven't tom seen scott recently did the video about the the um, pneumatic um tube system that's like oh, yes. a couple kilometers long runs under the streets of a, or yeah. under the roads of a city yeah. um that is one of the main purposes is like oh, yes. they, they produce they freshly produce the radioactive material in a yeah. in, in some collider i might be misquoting this uh and then they 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 send it over by tube to the hospital where it's where it's then freshly used yeah. and i guess that that sort of stuff that's that's yeah. where you would need shielding how is that done currently like is there currently if if you say you have a syringe with radioactive material loaded in there there must be some sort of of like film sheet shielding around that you can't have nurses and, and doctors exposed to that constantly. I, well, I maybe assume. you have conventionally manufactured shields around that out of uh, lead or out of tungsten or, or whatever. And having that as a 3D printing material just makes producing custom shields easier instead of milling them out of tungsten, which is probably also not True, the right. nicest material to, ma to manufacture. Um. I guess that would be one of the reasons. Yeah, and and for for shielding stuff like you don't need. I, I guess tungsten you could use with um, laser sintering or um, that sort of a process, uh, but you don't need the strength and the 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 high infill ratio, mm. the high packing ratio of, of tungsten yeah. uh, that you would would yeah. not get from a uh, basically a filament that's filled with tungsten. Yeah. So, it's expensive, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tungsten is expensive, <laughs> and the filament itself, like the one kilo roll, costs three hundred bucks or something like that. And one kilo is not like a yeah, full obviously. spool of material. It's just I think it has a density of four when it's printed, so it's just like yeah. two hundred fifty grams of PLA material. Exactly by by volume, by yeah, volume, same volume as yeah. two hundred fifty grams of PLA. Yeah, um, it's the same as with with like copper and steel filled filaments. If you buy half a kilogram of that, yeah. then you, you, you're not getting a lot of, of material. You're not yeah. getting a lot of volume. I have a roll of um, the BASF ultra fuse material right here, yeah. uh, which is also like I think also in the range of seventy eighty percent by weight, um, um, fifteen five pH, just stainless steel and. Uh, it's interesting if you just touch the roll. You want to pick it up from from a table, and you kind of know how 
heavy they should be those rolls and you yeah. just uh, it, it was like two and a half three times as much as, as normal filament it's really interesting yeah cool stuff I mean I, I don't I don't particularly have an application for that um, no, me neither even though I mean we in just three weeks or so um, they're gonna disassemble the or, or shut down and then disassemble the um, ESAR 2 nuclear reactor um, and you want to get some old fuel rods depleted <laughs> uranium and try it out yeah I don't, I don't yeah. know <laughs> Um, so I, this, I mean, obviously this is, I've had the, the reactor there my entire life. It's been on the, on this, on this, uh, skyline, uh, skyline on the horizon. You've, you've mm. seen the, the, the plume like pretty much every day. So far it's been pretty safe. Um, there's only been minor accidents, <laughs> incidents, <laughs> not, not accidents, inc- incidents. Um, though minor with a, with a nuclear reactor also is usually not that great, but so far it's been pretty okay um and overall it's been safe and i i I don't expect anything to go wrong with it shutting down now um yeah so yeah no no uh current reviews of tungsten filament coming in nah i mean it's 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 especially it's it's a very interesting material just properties wise but it's it's such special use and so expensive too yeah Yeah. Ah, uh, you put in there so so on the on the other spectrum you put in there AliExpress. Yeah, AliExpress. I already asked you before. Have you have you ordered from AliExpress the last couple of I don't know weeks or months? Yeah. So so AliExpress. I, I feel like I'm talking a lot here today. I, I feel like you, you're barely getting. I, I think I think you want to get through the podcast that you yeah. can get outside. And <laughs> the weather's already turning worse right here. Um, yeah, AliExpress. Uh, th- this might actually sound like an ad for AliExpress, but I have ordered a couple of things the last weeks and months, and they started, I don't know, a new shipment program or something like that. If you order something that is, I think, above 15 euros, yep. uh, you will get free, or is it free, or really inexpensive 10, 12 day shipping. Yeah. And that works really well. You order something from AliExpress and mostly like the week after that, it arrives at your door. No input, uh, no import fees. Um, I think they import everything as bulk. Yes. And then ship it out. Yeah. Ali, AliExpress was, was a really interesting development because at first, when AliExpress was like new, um, you could get stuff for so cheap. No shipping because China was still treated as like a developing country and got like super cheap international freight. So those those twenty cent shipping fees for for like a, a small parcel that literally yeah. was was less expensive than if you were if I was to mail something to you. Um, that really helped it. Then that sort of went away and shipping kind of got expensive. And then that the big one that may have killed AliExpress or might have killed AliExpress had the potential to kill AliExpress was. Um, the uh, input duty, no input duty limit went down from I think fifteen bucks to zero. So if you were importing into the EU, everything needed to have taxes paid for it. Um, that is VAT. I think was still like at twenty bucks or something, but everything below that you still had to pay taxes. And the the German mail Deutsche Post is such an I don't have a B button, but this would be a good time to use it. Um, <laughs> company that so if they if basically what, what what they do they import it for you as your shipping company they pay the duties in your name um even if it's just 20 cents or something that they paid 
and then they charge you six bucks as like a loan fee, a loaning fee. So you you buy something for like three bucks, it gets inputted by DHL, they pay 20 cents worth of input fees, and then you pay 10 bucks in total for the thing. And at that rate, it, it was just not viable to input anything anymore. It was literally, there was no point ordering from AliExpress. Yeah. But then AliExpress did, did what, what you mentioned, the, the AliExpress shipping, um, which is basically they bulk up your stuff into a big package um, and they do combined shipping. So if you buy from multiple sellers on AliExpress, the yeah. sellers ship it to the AliExpress um, basically shipping center. AliExpress puts it into the, the brown or the, the, the gray trash bag, ships it in their name, does all the, the imports or, or basically, I guess, puts that in a big bag um, and then imports that stuff as bulk pays the fees, pays the duties, pays uh, value-added tax, and then from within Germany ships it out to you. Uh, and that process is working so well. Yeah. I think they're actually not importing it in, in Germany because when I usually get the messages where they are, it's usually in like Czech Republic or Poland or I don't know. Uh, but really but still, it's, it's, yeah. it's within the European Union. Uh, I don't know how it is with the US, um, if, if this is also something that's offered there. But it made ordering things from AliExpress so nice and convenient recently. And as I said, this sounds yeah. like an ad, but uh, I, re I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah, and and I guess I also have to say, like that the when AliExpress was new and you paid almost nothing for shipping, yeah. it could be like four months until stuff arrived. So what what I used to do, you know, as a poor student, um, yeah. I just order stuff that looked interesting, like hey, a yeah. couple of Arduino boards for sixty cents a pop. Like let's just order ten of those, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to have them when I need them eventually. Yeah. Um, but now you can actually use it for projects. You can actually buy stuff, yeah. and it's going to show up in a week. So yeah. I also I was really into um, RC models and and FPV flying uh, 10, 12 years ago and something like that. And you ordered stuff from AliExpress, and then between like two weeks and half a year, yeah, uh, that was usually like the time duration that the packages took until they arrived at your door. And every just other day, something else arrived, and you didn't even know what was in there. And sometimes you didn't even know that you ordered that at some yeah. point. Yeah, it was it was it was a different time. It was interesting, yeah. but I'm I'm glad those times are over because it it could really take the the pace out of your out of a project if you if you started something and you yeah. ordered parts for it, and by the time the parts arrived, you really mm. you didn't have that drive to to do that project anymore. Mm. And now it's like, yeah, you order something, you think the rest of it through, and by the time the parts are mm. here, you can get started on it. So yeah. thank you, EU regulations, for uh, making this a much better experience and for making Chinese sellers much more um, viable. Yeah. Though, I mean, yeah, it, it, it st stuff has gone up in price. Like the 60 cents shipped Arduino stuff, not often there anymore, but it's still, it's still like half the price as if you buy from... Uh, local sellers yeah yeah i think that the next big topic that we have in here is too much of a discussion topic um that's one i could could rant over then maybe just finish it off with with one question yes yes so 
I don't. I I think I put a screenshot into into our show notes, but somehow it's not here anymore. Some somebody asked on Twitter after our la last podcast where we said, "Yay, Prusa Slicer 2.6 is so great because it has uh, organic supports now." And he asked, "Yeah, why is why is everyone so stoked about organic supports at the at the moment, even though Cura had them for for years, the tree supports." And uh, I I actually tried it out because I wanted to know am, am I only shilling for Prusa or is there a real reason? That's that's the entire reason our channels exist. Yeah, we have how many Prusa topics did we already have in three four? Any <laughs> we we need to fulfill our quota, otherwise yeah. our our cars are not paid for. Exactly, <laughs> they they're gonna come up uh, come and pick the, them up if we yeah yeah, yeah my Lambo, <laughs> my orange Lambo from Joe. Anyways, um, so I tried it out. Um, so actually, there are currently two Cura releases with different types of tree supports. They have the standard tree, tree supports that are still in like the official branch, which had been in there for years now. And there was a Christmas release. Special where special edition Christmas release or New Year's release, something like that. It, it was released right around that uh, that time, which already implemented um, an improvement in tree supports that was programmed by a guy who's, I think, actually located in Munich. And he wasn't satisfied with the normal tree supports. And he just did it differently that you basically get structures what we are also seeing in Prusa Slicer now. So... Um, the reason why we see those structures in Prusa Slas because Prusa Slas took everything that was in Cura and I think also the improvements that the guy from Munich, whose name I can't remember at the moment, put them into Prusa Slas and improved them even more. Um, so the Prusa Slas stuff is based on the Cura stuff, um, but they vastly improved it. The problem that I had with the old tree supports, especially for those really complex and organic structures that I tried to support with tree supports in Cura was that the tree supports were basically wrapping around my model and they were really hard to remove and also the amount of material that they used uh, that they use was quite a bit more than what we are seeing now in, in Prusa Slicer and this is the reason why at the moment if you're taking a look at the standard release of, of Cura or like the latest release of Cura which isn't Alpha Beta or something like that and Prusa Slice of 2.6 Alpha 5 I think we're currently yeah. um, the uh, the tree supports or the organic supports in, in Prusa Slice are just, are just way better because Uh, you have those small pillars. They're easy to remove afterwards. You get nice interface um, surfaces between like the support and your part. They're easy to remove and they use less material. And we're going to see that in Cura as well. Yeah. I assume. So, yeah. yeah. The beauty of open source. When it when it does work, it works great. Yeah. But again, this is something where, where there's, a, there's a company behind it. Um, both yeah. with uh, with Cura and with Precisizer that that sets a direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's 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 kind of beautiful that that you're seeing this this exchange of um, of approaches and and code. I don't know how much of the actual code is being shared, but just the the, the code is mostly, from my experience, um, is yeah. mostly figuring out what the logic should be, and then the actual coding 
versus programming. The actual coding should just be like a mechanical task, more or less. Um, yeah. But it's it's beautiful to see that these two probably drastically different slices can mm. benefit from each other's work. Yeah, yeah. Pusha cool. slicer has vastly benefited uh, from like the tree supports and also the Arachne yeah. perimeter generator uh, just recently, um, which is nice for everyone. But of course, I'm also asking myself how that's going to change with now uh, the Ultimaker MakerBot merger. Um, they said that Kusha, uh, uh, Cura's going to stay open source. Well, they have to keep it all open source. But um, I don't know if they're shifting towards rather developing their closed source makeup. Is makeup a slicer? It's, I'm pretty sure it's completely closed source. Yeah. Though, I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that's also something for another time. Um, yeah. Just because something is is open source doesn't mean it's also free to use or free to conveniently use. And maybe this this ties into to one of the comments that I got under the under the FreeCAD video, um, where one guy was like, uh, "Yeah, I, I, I would like to see a commitment to keep this open and free and freely accessible to everyone uh, with FreeCAD." Um, and he doesn't see that at the moment, which initially my, my reaction is like, hey, yeah, sh- but, it, but it's it's open source. Like if it's if they're saying, yeah, we're not going to develop this anymore, we're going to make it closed source, then there's still that checkpoint, that that mm. uh, revision of code out there and everyone can start working on that. Then, But what you also see sometimes is, um, for example, a, a buddy set up uh, EVCC, which is a, a EV charger control system, basically. Um, that looks at your your photovoltaics generation and manages your your wall box your charger accordingly and, and dims it up and down um, is that you get a, a couple different makes and models of uh, ev chargers included with the free version but if you want all of them available for example the the go e charger that, that we use you need to pay two bucks a month and it's not payment it's uh it's sponsorship through github and then you get a sponsor token and then with that un- you unlock the full features then you unlock the full functionality it's still free open source software you could fork it you could remove those checks but in the maintained mainline version there are checks built in that make you pay for features so yeah i i could still be that that you know if you if you're worried about uh, Cura going that same way and and going more closed down that could be a system that they implement somehow that yes it's it's open source and if you want the full functionality either you pay for it um, or you you verify that you have a MakerBot printer no sorry an Ultimaker printer capital uh, M exactly <laughs> yeah or you have to or you have to use some unofficial fork that removes those checks. But then that's not going to get maintained, and it's, it can only, you know, every every now and then, backport essentially the the changes made to the mainline slicer. Yeah, it's not as clear cut as it it first seems. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. For now, it's a it's a good world to live in. Um, everyone profits, even those that don't give back. Anchor is now also doing a, a Prusa slicer based um, slicer. Yeah, we, we, I, I I can't make predictions there. Yeah, the only thing I know that that I'm gonna head outside now and uh, dig some trenches for some irrigation. Uh, 
<sighs> because I'm I'm freezing and I'm hungry and I I want to get going here. So thanks for your time. Thank you for finding the time too, Stefan. Hope you're 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 back on your feet um, after I having to, to skip the last one. Yeah, uh, with yet another COVID infection. Yet another, at least on my side. <laughs> yeah. Good that your family is okay and uh, didn't catch the yeah. bug too. But thanks to everyone for listening and also wa watching it on YouTube. Um, if you guys have a question, leave it down in the YouTube comments or tweet to us at the Melt Zone. Uh, if you want to support us, there are Patreon links down in the description. And I guess we're going to see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.